This message was originally given at Covenant Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. Let's listen to the Word of God from our Sunday morning service. I'm going to do my absolute best to keep us within time. But, uh, man, there's so many things that we, we want to share and talk about today. And, you know, Pastor Jason opened up the, 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 ser- uh, the, the service with, with a call to, to our families. If there is one thing that I love about this church is our families. Man, we have so many good families here in our church, top to bottom. And I, I'm thankful for each and every one of you. And the reason why I bring that up is because your impact in this world matters. And the best way that we can impact this world statistically, and it's amazing, statistically is through our families. Now, let me speak about one issue in particular. In a study done with Institute for Family Studies, a recent study a couple days ago, they talked about the issue of fatherlessness in the home. And I just want to share it with you so you just get a picture of, like, just the impact that a father can have for a child and in a family. Uh, the, the study says there's a large body of research that fathers are important. They're trying to figure out, are fathers really important for the family? And they, they ask this question, but exactly how do fathers positively affect their children? A team of researchers looked specifically on how father involvement affected adolescent behavior which is a good indicator of future well-being and success over a 10-year period starting at the age of five. I mean, think about that. Kids five years old without a dad. Um, A simulation based on the data indicates that increasing father involvement among lower socioeconomic status families reduces gaps in behavior outcomes. Think about that. If a dad is in the home, and present, he reduces bad behavior such as aggression, depression, delinquency. I think that's interesting, right? The study shows the effect long-lasting, with a father's earlier life presence having a significant impact on later adolescent behavior. There, there's so much that I can share from this article, and, and maybe we can you know, pass it to you via email. But I encourage you just to look at the issue that we have at hand. There are kids growing up in our community, in our state, and around the world, and they do not have a dad, and they do not have a mom. That is a world that is foreign to me, but through our virtue of international adoption, we have seen what that world looks like. But today is a special day. It is Orphan Care Sunday, and across our nation and the rest of the world, the church The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is linking arms with one another on one issue, which is a gospel issue. And bringing awareness in the light of the gospel of Christ on fatherlessness, abortions, and broken homes. The reason why we identify this as a gospel issue is because in each case, fatherlessness, abortions, and broken homes, the gospel of Christ is the antidote in bringing hope to the hopeless in their situations. You know, we saw in the videos, they threw a lot of stats and numbers at us. Let me just repeat some of those to you. Today, there are over 150 million orphans in the world. It's it's incredible. 
According to one study, almost half a million of those orphans live inside our country. In our, in our country alone. One of the greatest countries ever. We have 500 million kids looking for a family. In Georgia alone, there are over 14 to 15,000 children in foster care. And thousands of these children are awaiting childless, ready to be adopted. They're, they're just looking for someone to love them. They're looking for someone to take them in. They're looking for a dad to encourage them, to teach them about life and faith. You know, I share these numbers not to guilt you. We don't want to do that. That's not the, the approach we want to take here at Covenant. Rather, it is to inform you of the reality that we have before us. And as a body, we need to respond. So it's important that each of us in this room or watching live stream, we consider the reality in getting involved. And, and I believe this. I believe adoption is a calling. So God may not be calling you to adopt or foster. And take a deep breath. That's okay. All right? But you can support the mission. You can. You can use your voice to, to bring awareness on the topic. You can be an encouragement to the families who are adopting or fostering. And you can be a fire that ignites a passion for gospel work in this church and, man, in our community. I love Valdosta. This is my home. We have to take responsibility of the children who are homeless in our town. All I'm asking you to do is to consider how to get involved. That's it. Very simple, right? And one way that you can identify how to get involved is what we've been talking about past year through intentional prayer to the Lord. The sermon title for this, day, uh, for the, for this message is a, a call for sacrificial love, engaging, parenting, and adopting the fatherless. Let me reread our text for us this morning because it is a powerful text, and it's one that I believe just sets the tone once again for what we are about to do. James says this, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, that person's faith is that person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this: to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let's pray. Our Father and our most gracious God, Lord, this time is set aside to bring awareness about a particular topic that is near and dear to your heart. And I pray, God, help me to control my emotions. Help me to speak clearly. Help me to slow down. And I, I pray, Father, that whatever is articulated, God, that it is a truth that comes from you and your word. And I pray you plant seeds deep in the hearts of those in this room to consider how to get involved in orphan care. God, someone in this room might be called to adopt and foster. And if that's the case, I pray you make it aware. I, I, I pray that you encourage that family to, to pursue this ministry. And Lord, it, it may not be adoption or foster care, but I pray that you encourage the members in this church to use their voice and passion to bring light and awareness on what we have outside of our doors. There are children who are growing up fatherlessness or fa fatherless, motherless in homes that are broken, and they need to hear about hope. And I pray you commission us, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, to bring hope to these hopeless situations. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as an adoptive parent, I consider it a joy and a pleasure to speak on a topic that we're passionate about. 
As many of you know, we have three children, two biological, one and one adopted from Nigeria. And recently, we have reapplied for an international adoption, so we're willing in the next couple years we will have another Gravasio to the mix. And I share this for two reasons. First, I believe that any participation in adoption or orphan care is a special call by God. Special meaning that, that God has specifically put this desire and passion in your heart to adopt and or foster. We must also make note that not everyone is called to do this, and that is okay. There are other forms of ministry that you can get involved in and ministering to the ones who need our help. And according to James 1, and 27, everyone who is called by God and is in the local church is called to minister to both orphans and widows. And so first, I share this with you guys because it's a call. God's told us to do, God has told us to do this. Second, the local church is commissioned by God to meet the needs of orphans and widows. We participate in this ministry together as a team. One body reflecting the love of Christ. The local church should be known for its intentional love and care for the fatherless. You know, ministry to the orphan is not foreign to the church. Instead, it's been something that's been a part of our history since the, the first century. And I love reading about the, the impact in the, in, the, in the theologians and the church fathers who have a passion for orphan care dating back to the first century. Ministering around A.D. 110, Ignatius of Antioch says this concerning the orphan. Now note well, those who hold heretical opinions about the grace of Jesus Christ that came to us. Note how contrary they are to the mind of God. The heretical opinions, they have no concern for love, none for the widow, none for the orphan, none for the oppressed, none for the prisoner or the one released, none for the hungry or thirsty. Dating back to the first century, Ignatius learned from the, from the tradition of Christ. True, pure, undefiled religion is loving the ones who are hopeless. Next, not only has the church been active in, in orphan care, the, the, the reason has remained the same in why we get involved. And the reason is to bring hope, is to, is to bring the gospel of Christ to situations of death and destruction. One author describes Christian adoptions in the first century in this way. When we first meet the mention of, of adoption and bringing up of foundlings, this work appears not as a novelty, but as one long practice. It is true that heathen also used to take care of exposed children, but for the purposes of bringing them up as gladiators or prostitutes or, or to use them in their own service. Christians brought up the children whom they took charge of for the Lord and for a respectable and industrious life. Meaning, they're brought up in a home that's going to preach the gospel to them. The, the world has, has agendas and goals and why they adopt and is contrary to the things of Christ. But in the church, the reason why we, the reason why we adopt is because we care about life. We care about this child's soul and we care about the gospel meeting and reaching the needs of this individual. And turning back to our text this morning, I'd like to make three observations about James, and then we'll look at some theological reasons why we should support orphan care, and then we'll conclude with practical examples of how we as a church can get involved or engage. 
The first observation is this. It's possible to be religious and be far from God. Listen to what James says in verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religious is, excuse me, this person's religion is worthless. I need to slow down. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Notice first, it's possible to be religious and be far from God. Remember, James is writing to a group of believers who converted from Judaism to Christianity. One reason why this is important is that the Pharisees and the others in a religious sect focus on the externals of religion while Jesus focused on the heart. According to James, it is impossible to genuinely care for someone like an orphan, a widow, or a brother and sister in need if you have an uncontrollable tongue. Why? Because genuine faith is represented by being quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I think that's fascinating that James makes the connection with speech in our hearts in relation or, or in, in contrast to pure, undefiled religion. A worthless faith is the opposite. A worthless faith is a person who is sharp, quick, and when they speak, anger. You see nothing but anger from them. The reason why an uncontrolled tongue is a picture of, of a dead and worthless faith is because it represents a heart of pride, arrogance, and lack of compassion, which is vital for orphan care or ministry to the orphans. Matthew 12 says this, Either make the tree good or its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. And then you guys know this text. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Verse 37, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. If there is one language that we should have as Christians in this church, it is a language of life. And that speaks life into messy situations. You know, orphan care, man, it's messy. And I miss the Lewises. But they're right. It is difficult to take a child who's been in a home that's been broken, and to love them. They're going to have reservations. They're, they're, they're going to have some concerns. They're going to have some things that, that they, are going to, they are struggling with. Orphan care is messy. It requires a heart, it requires a heart operating from the right source, with the, saying the right words at the right time. If your heart is not in the right place, you can damage a child by what you say and how you say it. Words matter. Words, the way you say certain things can open or close the doors and sharing the message of God or the message of Christ to this child. They need to see and hear someone who loves them. And they are in desperate need of hearing those words from you. I love you. I affirm you. Christ loves you. What these children need is someone who will listen and show them the love of God by doing what? Being quick to hear. Slow to speak and slow to anger. Each child has a story, a journey. And we as individuals need to listen to them, to show them we love them and speak into their lives at opportune times. That's how God spoke to us. And, the, and think about the orphans in the world right now. 
many of them have heard conversations of hate, of disowning, of embarrassment, and the list goes on. But the language of the church speaks something different. And this kind of love, in many ways, is foreign to an orphan. The first time we met Jojo, oh my goodness, <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> he came down, he saw an Asian man, a white woman, he saw his brother, and he just starts crying. <laughs> and it took forever for, for him to trust us. But through time, through intentionality, through speaking to his life, through, through showing him love, that boy ended up trusting us. The practice of listening and caring for uh, the orphan communicates something different to them, something that they are not used to hearing. It's a love that, prefer, that prefers them over yourself. And this kind of love open door, opens doors for orphan care instead of a harsh speech that closes one. The second observation, pure religion is grounded in the wisdom of God. Verse 27, a religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Wisdom is not the accumulation of knowledge, but the expression of it. Psalms, uh, Psalms 111 verse 10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and all those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. James is a letter that is heavily influenced by wisdom literature like the Psalms, Proverbs, or Ecclesiastes. Two reasons for this are, the, are simply this. First, James is a Jewish man, and his background in wisdom literature reveals his passion for the wisdom of God. Second, James is, is, is correcting false teachings of Gnosticism that was attacking the church. And Gnosticism is the accumulation of knowledge that is void of a transformed soul. Ever been there before? I have. Gnosticism is, is puffing yourself up and elevating yourself to a status that is reserved for God alone. Tozer says this of wisdom and of God. In the Holy Scriptures, wisdom, when used of God and good men, always carries a strong moral connotation. It is conceived as being pure, loving, and good. It sees the end from the beginning. So there can be no need to guess or conjecture. Wisdom sees everything in focus, each in proper relation to all, and is thus able to work toward predestined goals with flawless precision. When we respond and act in the wisdom of God, we demonstrate that God is the one who is running the show from our, in our hearts. James uses two words to describe religion that is right before God. First, he uses the word pure. And second, he uses the word undefiled. The word pure connotes the idea of sincerity, genuineness, and anything void of evil. Undefiled connotes the idea of separation, separation from that which is unclean or something unstained. Oftentimes, uh, this word is found in the context of, of a garment becoming marked or stained by something else. James uses these two words to, to specifically describe true, authentic religion before God, which is sacrificial love, void of hypocrisy, lies, and deceit. And this love is unstained. It is morally pure. 
It is good and is motivated by God and not oneself. A religion that is pure and undefiled is grounded in the wisdom of God because it operates with the mind of God. Wisdom acts. And when one acts in the wisdom of God, genuine love is communicated to the person who is receiving that love. I think about my son. The first time we met him, he did not trust us. He did not. He still could eat, but he did not trust us at all. But, man, God's love motivated us and pushed us to continue and supernaturally love this boy from a love that did not come from us. We wanted to quit. I'll tell you, the first week we met JoJo, I looked at Molly and I, we kept looking at each other, and we're saying, did we make a mistake? (laughs) Did we make a mistake? He hates us. (laughs) He literally hates us. Every time he looks at me, he cries. And he had this high-pitched scream that, Busted our eardrums. But we had to look past that and love him through that. And it was, it was hard because the, the, the comparison game took place. I have Isaac. <laughs> he loves me. He's my buddy. He looks like me. He's easy to love. And then Jojo, he hates me. <laughs> what am I going to do, Lord? It seems like an easy decision. But God gives a supernatural love where we can speak and demonstrate Something that doesn't come from us when we operate in the wisdom of God. God is the source of everything that is moral, holy, and true. A third observation. God works through the local church to minister to the orphan and widows. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this. To visit. The invitation is there for you, the church, to visit with orphans and widows in their affliction. It's interesting that James uses the word visit to describe what ministry looks like to an orphan or widow. You know, when we think of visiting, it's like us hanging out and getting a cup of coffee and we're talking. We're having a conversation. While this is definitely implied in what what James is teaching, James actually has something else in mind. The word James uses here, excuse me, the word James uses here connotes the idea of meeting or seeing someone with the intention of of meeting their need, or or helping them in their need. There's a problem, and you are going to fix it, or you're going to aid in the care of it. Another place where we find this word is found in Matthew 25, as we've we've heard and, and seen from the videos. The Lord Jesus says this, For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. James elaborates on this ministry and connecting the work of ministry by visiting the orphan and the widow in times of difficulty and distress. You know, you can, you, you, you can tell when a person really loves you when they meet you in those situations of pain, sorrow, and distress, right? We all can relate with that. You've all experienced loss. You've all been through some situation that's been brutal to your life, to your marriage, and to your family. But maybe there was someone that God sent to you that ministered to you during that time of need. What did that person communicate to you? He loved you. His love for you is real. It's evidence The time, the the money, the finance, everything that was invested in you was for you, not for them. 
The church is to be actively involved in the ministry and care for orphans and widows who are in times of need, distress, and pressure. They are the ones who really need our help in ministry. God doesn't call his angels to minister to them. Instead, God God calls redeemed children of the Most High God. So why do we do this? Why do we respond? Why do we visit the needs and minister to the orphan or widows? We do this because God's love is sacrificial, and he expects our love to be sacrificial for them. This is what James has been teaching about throughout this book. Genuine faith will continue to trust God throughout all circumstances in life, the good and the bad times. Genuine faith will pray and seek the wisdom of God over the wisdom of, God, over the wisdom of man. And lastly, genuine faith will seek to love the least of these, expecting nothing in return. Responding to the needs of orphans and widows is an expression of genuine faith in Christ. And for the sake of time, let me just skip down. We love church. You know, Michael, you know this one of my favorite verses. We love because God first loved us. The reason why we adopt is because we have been adopted by God. So we adopt the fatherless. You know, engaging in orphan care forces you. It forces you to die to yourself and to trust in God alone. It will challenge you financially, physically, and spiritually. But in the end, it is worth it. When you answer the call, when you answer the call to love a child or a widow who is not related to you biologically, you are demonstrating a faith that comes from God and not from you. God desires for the church to be involved in the lives of these who need our help. And it's pure and undefiled if you love somebody, expecting nothing in return. You know, before we got to Nigeria, there was a little, there was a little bit that we knew about Jojo and his backstory. Really, the only thing we knew about him was his birth date and, and, where, and where he was found, which is, was in a warehouse. When we got into Nigeria, we started to learn more from the social workers. And honestly, his, his, his story was, was humbling. First off, my son did not have a family to care for him. Nigeria is a very poor country. And although it may seem terrible for a mother or a father to abandon their son, they could not take care of him. They couldn't. There's so much poverty in that country that when we were walking the streets in Nigeria, we had grown men, 25 to 30 years old, ask us to adopt them. That was, that was sobering. No, Nigeria is a very poor country, but God graciously kept Jojo alive until somebody found him. Second, that warehouse where Jojo was found, in that warehouse were nine other babies, if not uh, nine other babies who were all virtually probably newborns. And in that group, a total of 10 babies, nine, nine of them didn't make it. I remember listening to our social worker, and she was telling us that story, and I was just shocked. I was immediately drawn to just, you know, the, 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 the sorrow and the frustration and the pain of sin. Death is real. Nine babies lost their lives. But I was also reminded of God's grace. Although these precious lives were lost, one child was saved. And that boy became my son. 
You know, third Jojo is actually short for Joseph. And the reason why the orphanage named him Joseph was because he escaped death. Jojo was graciously spared from death to life, and God has been so kind to let him in our family. You know, we talked about it after the, during the process and after the, the adoption. He really is the missing piece in our family. That boy is insane. He is silly. He loves to eat. He loves to smile. He loves you guys. I think he's going to grow up to be a politician. But he is one of the missing pieces in our family. While there are so many things we could rehash and share with you all, one thing that both my wife and I know for certain is that going through the adoption process, God taught us more about himself, our faith, and true sacrificial love. I can honestly say we love Jojo as if he is my biological son, my blood. I know he doesn't have my skin, my skin color, nor my wife's, but he is loved regardless of race. He is my son. I love saying that. And by God's grace, he is a part of our family. And, and what I, when I love to, and you, Pastor Jace, you talked about in the video, when people see our family, they have questions. <laughs> The first off, if, if it's just my wife, they say, man, you did a great job in adopting all these kids. And my wife is, no, two of them are mine, biologically. But clearly JoJo is, is adopted. But we do have questions. We have stories, and people ask us about our family. And we do. We get to share about why we adopted. Why, we, why do we do this? It seems insane. God called us to this. And we have not regretted it once. You know, in many ways, my son's story is my story of grace. I was once lost without a home. But God found me. I was once broken, empty, and forgotten. But God loved me. And I felt this way growing up in a two-parent home. I was once left for dead because of my sin. But God graced me. He sent his son Jesus to save me when I was his enemy. Ephesians 1 says this, in love he predestined us. In him we have redemption through his blood. In him we have attained an inheritance. And the one thing I love about Paul in that section here, this inheritance is supernatural. It is not tangible. It is something God has reserved in heaven for us. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Paul has a passion for adoption because he understands it is a picture of the gospel of Christ. The local church engages in orphan care because we of all people are the ones who knows, who knows what it means to be hopeless, to be homeless, to be broken. To not have a father, to not have a mother, to, to just be broken. Christ gives us hope so that we too can offer this hope to children and widows in need. Let me give you four reasons why we support orphan care. The first one is this, and I'm sorry, I'm trying to hurry up. Orphan care or adoption are visible pictures of the gospel. John 1, 11 through 13, he came to his own, but his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
a right. Second, orphan care is a picture of genuine faith in Christ. Galatians 3 says this, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. When we adopted our son, Jojo, um, man, our journey of faith was difficult. There were days we wanted to quit. But through your prayers, through our local church here, through our church in Louisville, man, we felt encouraged and our faith became more real. Orphan care is a picture of genuine faith in Christ. Number three, orphan care and adoption creates families and expands the kingdom of God. Ephesians 2. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made by the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ. But verse, but verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you have once, you who were once afar off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We had to go to Nigeria and pick up our son. But through prayers, through your encouragement through God putting this desire in our hearts, our family has expanded. And we want to talk about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ through our kids and through how we love them. Number four, orphan care and adoption is an expression of thankfulness to God. The psalmist says this in Psalm 68, sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord. Exult before him. Listen to how he's described. He is father of the fatherless. Protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles in a solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. Adoption and orphan care is an expression of our thankfulness to God for what he's done to us. You know, it's an, it's an expensive process. I am not going to lie. You know, it's around thirty-five dollars to $40,000. But my wife and I will tell you, every dime raised uh, from our personal finances through loans was worth it. But think about this. A life costs $40,000. That's terrible. But they are opportunities. They are not obstacles for us to, to shy away from. The funds will be there. And you guys remember when we did the, uh, the yard sale, we needed $5,500. Wow. That day we raised $5,500 and some change. God supernaturally works in ways that confirms and gives confidence to his children. I got your back. So how can we respond? First off, I encourage, you as, I encourage us as a church, fast and pray about getting involved. Maybe you need to adopt. Maybe you need to foster. Or maybe you need just to support the families who do. Second, get educated. If you want to get involved in foster care, I encourage you to take a, an impact class that is faith-based. My good friend, Pastor Jay at Redland Baptist Church, he has a faith-based faith impact class at Camp Rock. You will learn about Christ. You will learn about ways and how to minister to children through the gospel. The state will not tell you how to teach these children. Through Jay and this ministry, you can learn how to engage through faith for a child who needs to hear the gospel of Christ. Number three, one that, that we need to, I need to remind myself about this challenge. Change your budget to support an adoption or somebody who's adopting. Change your budget. 
If you're living on 85% of your income, maybe bump it down to 80. This is a, this is a huge task, but this is one finite way where you can get involved and take the monies that God has blessed you with and support somebody. Uh, number four, join an adoption or foster care support group. Because of COVID, we'll do it virtually, but join a foster care support group. Number five, talk with families who have adopted. You have families in this church who have adopted in foster care. We want to share our stories with you. We do. They are stories of grace, and every time we talk about it, man, we're going to cry. But that is the power of the gospel. Listen to our story. Listen to the stories and the families here. Every child adopted and fostered in this church is worth it. And then lastly, be an encourager. Be an encourager to the families who adopt. Be an encourager to each other. And talk about what it means to adopt in this church. We started, you know, this orphan care race or this 5K two years ago. And, man, it's blowing up. And your support and your involvement in that race is an encouragement to us. And I pray that God will continue to open more doors. To also put in your heart and my heart to love and adopt more of these children if the Lord seems fit. Let's pray. Our Father and our most gracious God, Lord, forgive me. I know I rushed through that. But I pray that you use your word to speak to the hearts who needed to hear the message about orphan care. Lord, not everybody in this room is called to adopt, and we understand that. But, Father, we have a foster care system that is plagued with kids who do not have a home, and we know the goal of foster care is reunification. And God, there's sort of a family at the other side of this child, Lord, who is broken. And so, Lord, we may not be called to adopt, but we might be called to foster. And in the process of fostering, I pray you identify the families who need to go through an impact class, learn from Jay in Camp Rock, and minister to the child and the families affected by brokenness. Lord, we, we confess before you, we cannot do this on our own strength. So we need you to supernaturally work inside of us. Some of us are fearful. Some of us want to adopt, but we don't have the means. Some of us want to foster, but Lord, we're not ready. God, answer these requests. Give us the wisdom and how to respond. And Lord, help us to not operate in fear, but in faith. In Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, Josh. And um, man, what a what a great reminder. I praise God, uh, just our church. Thank you for listening to this message from Covenant Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. At Covenant, we strive to provide a fellowship that is sound in doctrine, biblical in practice, and loving in our relationship with each other and the community. For more from our elders and teachers, please visit us at covenantbapt.org. That's covenantbapt.org for teachings, articles, and more information about our community.